everybody. Grab your Bible and a pencil and a journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and as you know, we sit down together every week and we talk through truth and scripture. And in this episode, we are diving into Romans, which... I got to say, there's so much in Romans that we couldn't even begin to touch on. But we talk about Paul and kind of dive into what does it mean or what does it look like to really be free? What does freedom look like in terms of being a believer in Christ? And how do we walk that out? And my mom talks about one of her favorite chapters in Romans, which is Romans 6, and how that has personally affected her or personally changed her walk with the Lord and her view of the Lord. So it is a rich conversation. There's just so much to dive into, but we would love for you to pull up a chair and join in the conversation. Good morning, Kara. Let's have a conversation about Romans, but you're looking really perplexed. Well, I just was mainly like of all the verses in Romans, <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. you picked. Um, it's encouraging. There is no one righteous, not even one. Yeah, I am excited about talking about Romans. There is a lot in Romans, so I don't know how we're going to do this. But well, I did wonder about that because Romans is, you know, is not only is it an amazing book about life, but it's also a lot of theology. Paul was really pouring it on to the Romans. Here's a question that I had that okay. I've never thought about before. Oh, um, no, you always not. scare me when you say this. No, I don't know why. Like, what would be so scary that I could ask? Um, hmm. But my question was: This is obviously the first book after Acts that Paul has written. But is this Paul's first letter, or do we know? I don't think we do you really know? know. I don't okay. know. I guess we could look at a chronological Bible oh, and true. see. But you know, I've as we talk so often. You know, I just really have a hard time reading a chronological Bible just because I'm so used to, um, you know, the canon, you know. Yeah, the canonical. The canon. I can never say that right. Canonical, that's right. But, you know, the way that it's written. But, you know, I don't know. I just know that Paul is writing to the Romans. And we just, you know, talked about Paul last week about in Acts and how we didn't talk a lot about him. But, you know, people know the story about that aha moment, that mm-hmm. burning bush well, moment of where wasn't even he, an aha moment. It was a life changing, identity mm-hmm. changing, everything changing moment. Yeah, I call and that. If anyone wants to read that, it's you know in Acts nine, right mm-hmm. or eight? No, nine. Yeah, and I think that is it Acts nine or eight. I think it's Acts nine, but okay. Um, yes, Paul's aversion conversions is Acts nine, and um, if you've never really read it, it's really amazing because Paul was so passionate about the law. He's a, such a Pharisee. He had studied mm-hmm. under, you know, the greatest people. And so, you know, everybody's like, well, he's so passionate. I love hearing him preach because he's so passionate. Well, Paul was passionate, but he was wrong. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that's not always 
the passion is just whether or not it's true or not, which is exactly what actually Romans is talking about. You know, Kara, we've been to Rome several times. Mm-hmm. And on every corner, there's a church. Yeah. And, you know, the Pope, who is a great example or a figure speaking of Christianity, the Pope is, you know, pretty much the who's who of Christianity as far as the religion, as far as the Catholics are concerned. Like a lot of people, are you Christian? Catholics, you know, will say, well, I'm Catholic. But most people who are not Catholic will say, oh, yeah, I'm Christian. But to a Catholic, the Pope is like up there with Jesus. Like this is, you know, sitting at the right hand of the Father almost. The Pope is is their view of the Pope. Well, ironically, you know, when Paul was in Corinth, he was writing to the church in Rome. But Rome was trying to stamp out Christianity. The last thing that the Romans ever wanted was any resemblance, any kind of Christian Jesus follower, you know, example. And then today, here we are, and there is the churches on every corner, and then the Pope, who so many people consider is the greatest person that would represent Christianity. Now, that's everybody's different views. Of, I'm not going to go into yeah. that. But I, th- I just found that interesting. The Romans were determined during the life of Paul and after mm-hmm. that Christianity would be stamped out. They wanted to destroy Anyone that was a Christian that was persecuting the church, anyone that said that they were a follower of Jesus, they wanted to destroy that. And in all appearances at that time, that was what was happening. But mm-hmm. ironically, now we look back and we think, you thought that you were going to stamp out Christianity. You thought that you were bigger than God. But now look at Rome. Right. Rome is like the epic center of so many people's belief of what Christianity is because the Pope is there is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I will say I was doing a quick search, and this is, I don't know, I'm not going to get into all of this, but it does say that Romans is not the first letter that he wrote. It's actually one of the mm-hmm. later ones. Again, that's not, I mean, it's neither here nor there. I just, it was like a... I do think it would be kind of interesting to see, and maybe we can, you know, look more into this and talk about it later um, on another episode. But because I do think, like any of us, we're, like you said, so many times we're all on a journey of faith. And to see, like, what the chronological or suggested, because obviously we probably don't know some um, exactly, but Mm -hmm. the suggested chronological order of Paul's letters, because I'm sure that they're, you know, there's a difference in Paul from the beginning of his faith to, you know, the end of his faith, um, just because that's just, it just would have to be. So anyway, I know that's nothing super important, but that's just something that I think I personally would find it interesting to look into. So maybe I'll look into that and we can talk about that later. But are you saying that you feel like that maybe the more that Paul writes, the deeper he gets? Yeah, and even and just more mature in, in general. Because mm-hmm. I do think that, I mean, some people don't like Paul's teaching because he is a bit, I don't want to say harsh. He just does not sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he 
-hmm. just like is very almost brash in some ways. So some people don't really love his teaching, but I do think, I mean, even when we get into, you know, the Timothy letters that he writes to his, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and we'll talk about Timothy later, uh, later on, but I don't know. I do think that there's a, he gets softer with his approach as he goes on and maybe, you know, he, and again, I don't want to speak for Paul, but part of me wonders, you know, he had such a shameful path. You know, he was, mm-hmm. came from, and the disciples were afraid of him, you know, when he was. And they and weren't again, sure because like, they thought they could die. Yeah. And, and this is, this is told in Acts and we just talked about Acts, but you know, they were like, uh, God, I don't know about this guy. And then Barnabas mm-hmm. was the one who kind of vouched for him because God literally had to tell them, no, he is, you know, my disciple now and all of that. Mm-hmm. But so I wonder if he, if he, I think he came out hot mm-hmm. <laughs> when he had that Damascus moment because of, you know, he had such a harsh turn or not harsh, but such abrupt turn from his ways. I do think that some of his writings toward the beginning of his ministry probably were a little bit more, yeah, he just came in. He came out hot. He was like, because he, and I probably was like so passionate because it was like this, oh my gosh, I was so wrong. And I did so much wrong and really turning. And I think, I personally believe grace is something that the more and more you live out grace, you know, like it's so hard to under, like truly grasp the fact that like, of just accepting God's grace, you know, especially if you have a shameful past. And so I think the more and more he settled into that and he got a little bit more softer with his approach and all that. So anyway, that's well, just you know my... What? I know that's your your take because in reality, I really have a, a different view. I feel like as you as Paul gets into the end of his life, he's more harsh because he sees that his life is uh, coming to an end. And that's what First and Second Timothy is, where he said, do not stray from the truth. And it, you can almost feel this urgency with Paul that, you know, he's about to die. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah. you know, being very bold about, you know, don't, don't go away from the truth. And I just feel like, you know, we really don't know. I mean, it's it's all in a lot of how that you read it. I do believe that, you know, when Barnabas went to Paul, and I do believe when Paul started with the the Christians, disciples, and all of that, that he— was had to prove himself. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he was humbled and and that, but he does get on to Peter, and he is yeah, bold, guess, as you say. You know, I do think that he. I think that you can be bold, and because I do agree with you, like he, there's definitely an urgency in his writings to Timothy, but mm-hmm. I still just feel like there is this. I don't even know how to explain it, but there's this softness. So I think you can be bold and urgent in what you're saying, like. Maybe more around. Yeah, but there's like an, yeah, there's just, he's, I feel like a little bit softer, a little bit more, yeah, understanding, grace, compassion. I don't even know what the word is, but I just keep thinking like softer words. But let me give you an example, Kara. Like I just read, you know, Romans 3, where it says, as it is written, he's talking about, it was in Psalms, there is no one that does good. There's no righteous, there's no, not one. We've all sinned. You could read that with your finger in someone's faces and saying, you're a sinner. There's no one that's righteous. There's no not, there's not one. You're not righteous. No one is. Or you can look at it as, I understand. And I know that you struggle. 
and I know that you have some issues, but you just need to understand there's just none that's righteous. There's no, not one that, there's no one that's seeking God. And so I think that. Yeah, the tone of voice, and that's what we don't all know. It's the tone of voice, and, and, right. and we don't know. I do know that Paul was very dedicated to the truth. And because of his background and because of his Pharisee and how strict, and there was no wavering, even as a Pharisee, probably did, you know, kind of filter through and splash over into when he became, you know, a believer. But what I do want to talk about, about Romans, because there's a lot in there, as you said, and I don't know what you were thinking about. We were going to do this in one recording. I know, it might end up being two episodes, which is fine. Uh, it may be a week, but... <laughs> and, and we could we could talk about Romans for a year because there's so much. Yeah. But I just want to personally talk about it, about what Romans means to me. And Can I do the same thing? No, just me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of I'm course. I'm just kidding. I know. I was just teasing. Okay, but, yeah. But, Go ahead. But, but what I want to say is, you know, for so many years, I strived to do good. For so many years, you know, I'm like, you know, you promise God, you're like, God, you know, if you'll just do this, I won't, you know, I'll never miss church, you know, whatever. You know, we kind of bargain with God. And over time, God does something, and then we walk away, which, you know, we tend to do. And it was just always trying to get God's favor. It, I was always trying to get God's pleasure. because, Like be on His good side. Yeah, basically, because I was kind of taught that, if you're not on God's side, He's just going to strike you dead. And if you sin, if you're a sinner, and you're just going to go to hell, and which, you know, all this stuff. But I was also taught about going to church. And, and again, obviously, I go to church. Obviously, I believe in going to church. Obviously, I believe in going to Bible study. Obviously, I have a ministry. I'm not. Yeah. So, saying, what you're saying is you feel like you had to earn. His favor. I had to earn his favor. So when I began to really study Romans and realized, wait a minute, there's no one that does good, no, not one, and that we've all gone astray and that, you know, that it's all about faith and it's all about what God has done. And uh, yeah, it's like it's not about us. Right. You know, and of course, that's the whole thing about Martin Luther, you know. He was just like in awe, like he reads Romans, and he's like, what? Because he was a very good, devout Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we're talking about Martin Luther, the Catholic, and back in That's the right. olden days. Oh, not, no, Martin, no, 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 not Father. Martin Luther King Jr. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but he, but Martin Luther King Jr. was a believer. But I would just right, say that, you know, as he you know, realized this, and which started the Reformation, which is part of the church that kind of changed from— from doing, doing, doing. And so I was really caught up in that. And I was really trying so hard to always get God's favor. And I remember thinking, if I went to church and and then I got home and things kind of fell apart, I remember thinking, and I even went to church today. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, and it's and, like, yeah, because later in chapter 3, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are what? just are justified right. by His grace as a, gift, as a gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, through faith, you know, for mm-hmm. you know, wages of sin is death, and so that was one of my big aha moments when I realized, you know, I really, you know, I can't do enough. Yeah, I, I remember Andy Stanley writing a book, "How Good Is Good Enough." You know, it's like, well, 
you know, if you do this good, is they're going to raise the bar and you have to be better and better, right. you know, that kind of well, thing. Well, and everyone's so. measure of quote unquote good is different because what... Absolutely. So justification, which Paul talks a lot about, can you explain that in simple terms? Because that's kind yes. of a... For, like kind of a thing. Yeah. Justification means that because of Jesus and his death, he made me right with God. So justification is a... It's a one-time thing. It is what Jesus did at the cross. That is justification, correct? Yes. He took our sins, which was, you know, again, when you go with the Old Testament, the penalty of sin, the the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, which is talking about the wages of sin is death. And we had to, you know, shed the blood. You know, you had to shed the blood for the redemption of sin. And that was the Old Testament sacrifices and everything. And so because of Jesus's shedding the blood for me, he made me right with God. He justified me. He made things right, which is righteousness, mm-hmm. redeemed me, justified me. So justify justification is what happened at the cross and when we accept Jesus as our Savior. Savior. And That's then... Right sanctification is the ongoing process of being sanctified, correct? Well, yes, because sanctification means it's a daily lifestyle of learning and living out what is a reality and a truth, and that is that I am justified, I am righteous before God because of Jesus and because of His blood. And, you know, he talks about that, you know, we're a child of God, that we're royalty, that we're forgiven. And we don't always live out from that position that we feel forgiven and we feel that we are somebody because we're God's children. And so sanctification is taking these truths, God's truth, and applying it to our lives. And that's an ongoing. Going, it's like becoming process. more and more like Christ, correct? Yes, because that's sa- right. sanctification ultimately, or not ultimately, but simply becoming more and more like Christ. Yes, which is the that's just our it's the our walk that's living it's a big out word. the faith. That's right. It's, yeah. Okay. It's growing yeah. in in our walk with God, but it's it's applying the truth. That's the main thing. It's you applying the truth to what God. <laughs> well, I'm a preaching, but <laughs> I I just want to make that clear because. So many people that read Romans think, well, it's just all about grace. Obviously, it is all about grace. And years and years ago, I read a book called Grace Gone Wild. And I feel like it could be written today that so many Christians today don't seek after holiness. They seek after freedom. But ironically, the very things that they're doing is the things that's enslaving them. And they're all about wanting to be free. I'm free to do this. I'm free to do, you know, whatever I want to do. Obviously, God's given you a a choice. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I don't know what the word is, but freedom, that's kind of like a thing for me because I personally believe that no one is ever, like, we're not free because either you're a slave to your own doing or habits or whatever. Like, yeah, ambition or your own self or your own desires or your own will or you're a slave to God. And slave, I know, has a negative connotation. And I don't mean it negatively. I just mean it as you are like under the power of that. Like either mm-hmm. you're under the power of your own sin or your own, you know, selfish ambition or you're under, you know, the power of God. And, and I, I mean, that's, Spirit. yeah. And I think that 
is, and we always had the Holy Spirit, but I think, yeah, it's like we all have our sinful moments because even though we are justified, we are still in, have our fleshly desires. But, and it's just, I just feel like this is where, you know, it is so simple in terms of faith and what Jesus has done, but at the same time, it is so complicated because <laughs> there's yeah. there's just so much. It's it's a lot to it's a lot to take in. But I think it's like, okay, what do you mean by freedom? Not you, just in general, mm-hmm. you. Like, okay, f- what do you mean by freedom? Because yeah, you can make your own choices, but then I feel like, well, then you're like you're just being governed and ruled by your own choices versus being governed and ruled by God. And I mean, that was the Israelites and I don't. I think we might have talked about this back when we were talking about Exodus, but God never said, let my people be free. He said, let my people go so that I will be there. Yeah. like, But that is true freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest deceptions that the enemy tells the world and believers and non-believers alike is that, you know, being a Christ follower or being you know, under, you know, following Jesus is so there's so much you're being bound, like you're not free. And it's like, no, you're Mm -hmm. so much more free when you do surrender because he's love. So, well, I think that there's a difference in being in bondage to our own sinful, destructive habits and behaviors versus being enslaved and underneath the control of God. And where God says, Jesus is, you know, Jesus says, I am the life, the way, and the truth. I am the, I am freedom. And so when you're a slave to me, which you'll see in all of Paul talks about, I'm a slave to Jesus. I'm in these chains, but I'm actually not in the chains of the Romans. I'm in chains of, in being connected and united with Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've said this so many times and I, I think this is something you're referring to, and that is that God, in His wisdom when He created us, gave us the power to choose. But once we exercise that freedom to choose, we have freedom to choose. Then right? our choice, then our choice, we do not have the freedom or the control of what that consequences will be. So once we exercise that freedom to choose, then we've lost that freedom of the consequences of the choice. Yeah. Like I'm, I was thinking of a conversation just now about to my mind of, I was having with a girl who's actually, she's not a believer, but she is intrigued by things mm-hmm. in the word, but she is a, a lot of her, I'll say the word hang up for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. A lot of her hang up is authority basically like mm-hmm. not like sure. they're being, you know, she, anyway, I won't get into all that, but that is like one of her big things is, and ultimately it's not being controlled by someone else or not being, you know, a lot of it is like that freedom, but I'm like listening to her and she's so, I'm like, you're not free. I'm like thinking you're not free now because she's so bound by, you know, anger and bitterness from her past. And I don't blame mm-hmm. her. It's not like I'm like looking or judging her. I'm, it's, I mean that more in like a. Humanly speaking, everybody. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. I just, I feel for her and I'm like, oh my gosh, if you, I'm like thinking like, if you let go, like you'll feel so much light, like you, she'll feel mm-hmm. so much more free if she let that, yeah. you know, let God just like God. And so anyway, I, I think that as example of like that, like part of her hangup is that lie that, you know, if I let go and like let someone else or let another being or let God, you know, whatever you want to say, 
be in control, I'll lose my freedom and I'll lose my grip and control or I'll lose, you know, mm-hmm. and it's based out of this fear and anger. And, and obviously God's well, doing something in our heart, but yeah, but it's. Yeah. It, you're, it, it definitely is. I think she's a, trying to protect herself from not getting hurt again. Right. And I'm going and to again, control. I get, I get that, it. And I get that. Yeah. But yeah. We have no control. And. Right. And we are not free because as far as even if you're not a believer because you live in a country and you're not really free to go and do what you want to do. Now, right now, there are a lot of people going that direction. But, you know, when you think about, well, I don't want to surrender my life to Jesus because I don't want him telling me what to do. The government tells you what to do. Right. Try not paying taxes. Or even and, just laws. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, the speed yeah. limit tells you what to do. I do want to say this. this I think this, I hope this is as helpful to who is you know, listening and part of this conversation as it was to me many, many years ago, as, as I told you, I was so trying so hard to measure up to God, you know, so that I'd get God's favor. I didn't realize it's just because I was his child. I had his favor and he sent his son. But I was struggling with a lot of stuff. And I always felt like I didn't have the power to stop doing certain things. You know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, that's just the way I am. Or, well, I, that just makes me mad. Or I just get angry. Or I lash out. Or, you know, I always have to have the last word. That's just the way I am. Or, you know, there, a lot of that. Well, as I was surrendering my life, if you you know, Carrie, you know, and decided to follow Jesus, and I was going to hold on to him, and I didn't know where we were going to go, but I was going to, I had surrendered totally complete control and gave it to the Lord and said, God, I surrender everything. You're, I'm yours. And uh, whatever you want. And someone shared with me about Romans 6. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me say this. And it starts out, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And, you know, you read that and like, oh, dear, I've got to be in such a situation that I will never sin. That's not at all what Paul is saying. And so when Paul is writing to the to the church in Rome, there was these Jewish people and there was these Gentiles, and they were fighting about the Jewish people wanting to continue to do what, you know, all the sacraments and do the things that the Jewish people did and the law. And then Gentiles was like, no, you don't have to do all that. So there was this tension well, what Paul starts writing about, I love this, is what shall we say? Are you going to just keep on doing what you think you want to do? He says, you just can't do that just because you feel like you're living under grace, which I feel like, Kara, is a lot what's going on now. But let me do it personally. What I did for so many years, now let's just take, this was not my sin. I mean, I actually do this as well, but this was not when I first started memorizing this, I memorized uh, Romans 6. The whole chapter? The whole chapter. And over and over and over again, I would say, what shall I say then? Shall I keep on sinning? Shall I continue to be angry so that grace may increase? By no means. And, and, And I would put that, I would put what I was struggling with. Like if, should I go on not forgiving so that I just can live under grace by no, so that God's just going to give me more grace? No. And I would just, and whatever I was dealing with that day, I would put it in to this. And it says, you know, I just made this chapter six so personal. 
And it was so helpful to, to me because so often we get into this rat race of just, well, that's just the way I am. And I, you know, we, we just kind of accept some of our bad and destructive behaviors and attitudes when God is freed us from that. Now, God is not saying you'll never sin. Right. It's just a, not abusing that. We are, I mean, yeah, but we're free from the power of sin. Like we can right. stop sin because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, we still have to deal with the presence of sin. Right. But the power of sin, we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I was just thinking that goes back to what we were saying last week in Acts with the Holy Spirit, where, yeah, we don't. We don't want to just keep on sinning, you know, just like, because I do this, like, oh, I can do this. I have, you know, I'll have grace. Mm-hmm. God will forgive me. And yeah, it's I mean, like, it's just like that rat race that so often we get into. And and I would just read and literally memorize this uh, Roman 6. And it all depends on what you're trying to get free from. But, you know, over many years and believing a lot of lies, I literally had to be extreme. I mean, I couldn't just pray, God, forgive me, and move on. I just was so entrapped by so many lies and beliefs about myself and about God. And so I would memorize this. And I remember it says, uh, like in chapter 6, verse 5, it says, For if we have been united with Him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with Him in the resurrection like this, like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him. I'm like, what? What do you mean I've been crucified? You know, it was like Jesus died for me. It just never occurred that when I became united with Christ that I'm identifying with his death. So, Kara, so often what I would say would be this. When I was tempted to think negative thoughts or beat myself up or feel like I was such a horrible person, I would think, I died to that. I I died to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot tell you how that got me through such a hard, dark time in my life. I think that with chapter six, that is where the gospel and the kingdom of heaven does not operate in terms of what is here on earth. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is death in terms of heaven, it is not it is not what it means here on earth. You know, death here on earth, obviously, like there's, that's, it's pain, it's heartache, it's grief. Like death is not the goal. That is not what we want in turn, because that is, death is sadness, you know, like there's, it's not a positive thing. Yeah, it's dark. But in the kingdom of God, death is what brings life. And that doesn't mean that like losing someone, I'm not talking about losing someone, but I just think that it's the power of God that even in death, there's life and we can't have life without death. And so when dying to yourself, like that is not a bad thing. Like in order to have life, we need to die to ourselves, you know, in order to truly live out, you know, like dying to our selfish ambition or dying to our whatever, you know, unforgiveness or whatever it may be. But I don't know. I just think like not seeing like, oh, I got to die to myself. I mean, yes, it's hard, but that is, it's not in the kingdom of God. I think death is what brings life. Like you can't have life without death. Like Jesus came back to life because he died. You know, Jesus talked about seed. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it does not bear fruit. And I think that's what you're saying is there's yeah. a part of not 
literally physical death, but it is a part of the process of of the meaning of death that Mm -hmm. Jesus brings to life what is dead inside of us, Mm -hmm. which is the Holy Spirit. And even like letting go, it's like, you know, letting go of relationships, letting go of the outcome of a relationship or letting Mm go of any outcome or, yeah, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean, you know, dying to a dream doesn't always mean that that dream is necessarily dead. It's just saying, God, I'm going to, I'm going to die to this dream so that you can bring another dream back to life. You know what I mean? Like there's... He is not. And I think it's letting go too. Yeah. I think like death is like letting go. It's like, you know, you cannot grasp hold of something else until you let go of what maybe you need to let go for God to give you what He wants for you. Like you mean the, you need to let go of one thing in order to grab hold of what's grab next. Grab hold of another. Yeah. Yes. You cannot, you know. And so when, you know, when you're talking about death to a dream, that maybe is a death to the dream that God knows is not really. The desires of your heart, but you think it is, and so he's wanting to give you the desires of your heart because he he knows you better than you know yourself, and he knows down deep what you really want, and so he knows until you are willing to die to that and say, God, I just want what you want. I want your heart. I want your dream for me. And until we die to that, and it's not a physical death, is what you're saying. It is a choice. It is a a surrender. It's surrender. It is a time yeah. of, of just saying, I'm going to let go of this so that, that, and I think that that's what, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Romans 6 is about. It says, it's not that, you know, that we continue in sin. No. But what we do is we stop the process of continuing to do the same thing over again that leads to bondage. And we're going to let go and we're going to say, I've died to that. I don't have to continue to do that so that I can choose to do what is the right thing. Yeah. I can choose the right attitude and that yeah. kind of stuff. I think of Abraham a lot in this scenario where it's, you know, with Isaac. Mm-hmm. He had to, you know, let that go. But And he didn't know how God was going to bring life on the other side of that. He didn't know, you know, either this isn't actually going, you know, obviously we know the outcome is he didn't actually have to sacrifice Isaac, but he knew that he was going to provide, God was going to provide a ram in the thicket regardless. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how or what that ram was going to, he didn't know anything on the other side of it. He just knew, okay, I'm going to let go and believe that God is going to bring life on the other side of it. And I, and that I think goes to a lot of, I mean, that's Romans four, where he talks a lot about faith without sight. You know, it's like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how this, I don't know. <laughs> I just I don't know, know how this is going to turn out, but I yeah. just know the heart of God. I know that it's, if if God has asked me to do something, you know, and, and I, you talk about Abraham, obviously Abraham knew God was going to bring something and bring back to life because he told Right, he had hope people, against hope. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. he, had, he told the people, we'll be back. And so I don't know if Abraham thought, well, I'm going to, he's going to die and then God's going to resurrect him, but he was going to do whatever God says in the process. We just don't know. But what we do know is that God is life and that God does not want us to continue in our sin because he knows it's going to cause bondage. And he died to give us the power, the Holy Spirit, to not continue to do that. And I think that for me, that's what Romans 6 says. As for the first time, I realized I don't have to keep having this attitude. I don't have to keep believing these lies. Like, I've died to that. 
and I'm a new person and I don't have to have all these negative thoughts and things like that. So I don't know. It's just, you know, it was a big moment in my life. You know, Romans 6 is just a, a very, very special thing. I think even uh, when we were talking about doing Romans, you're like, you love Romans, don't you? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I love it, but it is a reminder of what God has done in my life and how that I don't have to keep destroying myself. I don't have to keep making bad choices. I don't have to continue to live in bondage because I've died with that. I've died with Christ and I'm free. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.